get organized. Thanks, mate. Yep. How is everyone this morning? Good. My message this morning is called, What Did Mary Know? I was contemplating there's something about Mary, but um, I went with, What Did Mary Know? Before I get into the message about What Did Mary Know? And it comes out of that song, obviously, just a few things to remind you about. Uh, Pip's told you a lot about the Christmas and the holidays at Real Life and all the different things going on. Just want to really encourage you to take those flies. They're not to remind you, but they're for you to invite and to bring people on Christmas Eve. Uh, from four to six, it's going to be a great evening. We've made it, it's a Saturday afternoon, so made it a little bit earlier, so that if you've got family things on that night, you can go and do that. And I can drive to Coffs Harbour, so I'll get there before midnight. So, um, you know, it's going to be a great night at the petting zoo. My kids are looking forward to the petting zoo in particular, so um, that should be good. Um, Christmas Day. A few people said we don't have service Christmas Day, we don't have church Christmas Day, and my answer is yes, we do. It's the community lunch. So church doesn't just look like what it does today, but it takes many different forms. And so church is on on Christmas Day, and it's a lunch for the community. So either be involved in that or, or come along and support that one way or another. And same, I don't know if you noticed, but this year Christmas Day and New Year's Day are both Sundays. So on Sunday, the 1st of January 2017, we won't be here. We will be at Maitland Pool at 11 a.m. for a church barbecue and picnic for those of you that are around that aren't off on holidays. So we're still having church, but there'll be no singing. There'll probably be some baptisms if Brian Robb's involved because he likes to throw people in the pool. So just be careful of that. But it'll just be community. It'll be hanging out. It'll be that word we call fellowship, which is just doing life together. So it's bring your own everything um, come to the pool from 11 a.m. on New Year's Day and just hang out if you are around. And the first service, like what we're doing today, won't be till 8th of January 2017. So Christmas Day, New Year's Day, we're having church. It just looks a bit different and it's not always in this spot. So we will have a, a flyer out for you in the next few weeks just so that you're reminded about that so that you don't turn up here on New Year's Day. Um, what else? This Tuesday night is an important night for the future of Real Life Church. Uh, Grant and Megan, who are currently our senior pastors, many of you would know, they've been, Grant's um, been going through burnout and has been on leave for over a year now. And he's going to be here on Tuesday night with his wife, Megs, and they're just going to be sharing about the future going forward into next year, about the leadership and all those sort of things. So this Tuesday, 7 p.m. here at the church. If you call this church home, it'd be really love if you could be here for that night um, there'll be time for some some discussion and talking and food and uh, we'd love it if you could be here for that if you're unable to make it on tuesday night we will um do a similar thing next sunday in our service as well just so that you don't miss out on on what's happening going forward cool all right that's the housekeeping out of the way what did mary know give me a wave if you're a mum if you're a mum yes thank you Without you, none of us would be here. That's the dad joke out of the way right there. But I want to look at Mary's life today. I want to look at what she knew. Um, as a mum, you would know there are a range of emotions that you go through from the moment you find out you are pregnant through to right now. And um, I'm also aware that when I talk on a subject like this, for there's people here that um, talking on a subject like motherhood is hard. Whether they've been unable to be a mum and they've wanted to be or... Maybe they've had a, a strange relationship with their mum. But I want to look at Mary as a mum. And I want to look around that question of what did she know? What did she know about Jesus, her baby boy? What did she understand about him from the moment before he was born right through to his death on the cross? 
We're going to spend a little bit of time this morning reading about what Mary might have known or what Mary might have understood about her baby boy, Jesus. And we're going to start in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried... Confused and disturbed, is that a word for describes motherhood at all? No? Maybe just the early stages. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Before Mary is even married to Joseph, before she has even conceived a a baby within her womb, an angel appears to her and tells her about Jesus, speaks to her about this baby that will be born and speaks to her about what his life will be like, says to her some pretty amazing things. says, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of the ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. I wonder what's going through Mary's mind right there when when those things are said about the son that she doesn't even know she's having yet. It says, the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. Keep this in mind because this is all going into Mary's head, into her heart, the things that she knows about her son that's to be born. Whether she understood it or not, because there's a lot to take in. Imagine if you are pregnant or you don't even know you're pregnant, but someone comes and tells you all this about a boy that you're going to have and he's going to do those things. It's a lot to un- take in. It's a lot to understand. And I don't know whether she understood it all, but I love her response. Her reply is, is quite simply, it's amazing. Pip, where's that word? Amazing again. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Whether she understood it all, whether she grasped all that was going on with this baby that was to be born, whether she understood it all or not, I don't know. But what I do know is she said, God, whatever you say, your will be done in my life through this son and in me. I accept it, God. What an amazing attitude that is to have, a challenging attitude. Let's read what happens just after Jesus is born. Luke chapter 2, verse 16 says, They hurried, which is the shepherds, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So just after the birth of Jesus, shepherds come and visit the newborn. They come and tell them this a story about how angels have appeared to them in the sky, announcing the birth of this Jesus. It says this, this is what happened to the angels just a few verses back. The angels told the shepherds this. They said, I bring you good news that will bring joy to all people. 
the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Now, I've got three kids. And whenever one of those kids was born, you know the drill. A text message goes out to family. Or if you're like me, you're getting a text message every 30 minutes. Is the baby here yet? Is the baby here yet? That was my mum, not, not my mother-in-law, Karen, just to clarify that. <laughs> family wanting to know, is the baby born? Is the baby born? And then once you send that message out, yes, the baby's born. And then I say, please don't put it on Facebook till we do because we're its parents and we want to have that right. And that, that goes out. Word gets out that the baby is born. We had lots of visitors at hospital, and in the first week or two, we had a constant stream of people coming to visit what we had created, because pretty awesome, just quietly. But they were coming in droves, and I know some young mums have said, enough, enough, enough visitors, I just need some space. We had lots of visitors, but we didn't have any strangers come in on the night of, or the day of the birth and say, hey, I've just been told that you've had a baby boy, and um, some angels appeared in the sky and told me to come and see your baby. I'd be ringing the police if that happened at the hospital. Security at hospital, come help me from these weird people that have come in. What is going through Mary's mind when shepherds appear on the night she's had her baby saying, we've just seen angels in the sky and they've told us amazing things about the baby boy that you've just had. Like, are you stalking me? How did you even know I was having a baby? How do you know it's a boy? But all these things go on. Imagine what's going through Mary's head. Imagine what's going through her mind. What does this effect on what she knew about Jesus. I wonder what she's starting to think about this baby that she's just had. Surely she's going, this is not your average baby boy. Let's read next about another thing that happens that will just further take it on this journey. Luke 2, 25. This is when they take, Mary and Joseph take Jesus to be presented at the temple. This happens. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms. Again, a stranger taking the baby and putting him in his arms and about to say some things about him. Mums, I know that you would probably be a little bit protective right now at this moment. Took the baby in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory for of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. What's Mary thinking now? What does Mary know right now about Jesus? Simeon has said he is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of all people of Israel but then he says something to her that could cause her some concern could cause her to ask some questions she said this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall there's going to be people that rise and fall as because of your son this son is going to change history this boy of yours is going to be different and he's going to cause um, the world to never be the same again and then finishes a sword will pierce your very soul imagine what's going through the mum's mind her baby boy Stuff has been said about him. 
before he was born. The day he was born, people come and visit him and tell him that angels have appeared. And now, a week later, when he's presented in the temple, this man is saying things over him. It's a lot to take in in the first week, isn't it? It's a lot to go on. But Mary takes it and listens to it. I wonder what she's thinking. You know, keep going. A few years later, Jesus has now grown up into a boy. And he's back at the temple with his mum and dad, as it was the custom. In Luke 2, verse 41, Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking up for him among their relatives and friends. Just close your eyes right now, everyone in the room, just close your eyes. Has anyone, parents, ever forgotten their kid? Just put your hand up. I'm the only one that can see you. I see that hand. I see that hand. There's hands all over this room this morning. It's okay because Jesus survived it and he was good, okay? So just let yourself off the hook. It happens to the best of us. Three days later, they finally discovered Jesus in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. They didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? They didn't understand what he meant. They didn't know what he meant. They didn't get it. But then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew up in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Do you think by now Mary has got that her boy is not your average baby boy? I think she's got it well and truly in her mind that this baby boy that she has had is different. That he is going to be a person. He's already a person that is causing the world to be different. That he's having an effect on the world. It says that the religious leaders were amazed at his understanding of the scriptures. They wondered to themselves, who taught this kid? Where did he get this knowledge from? As Jesus grew into a man and started his public ministry, I wonder what Mary thought. I wonder how she felt when, she, when the things that had been spoken over her son were starting to take place. I'm imagining there would be a great sense of pride and a great sense of honor that she was a part of raising that boy and being part of his journey. But I'm also wondering that there'd be times where it was sad or there were times where she didn't understand what was going on. I reckon there would be a whole range of emotions in watching her baby boy grow up. If you're a mum here, you know the range of emotions of watching your son or your daughter grow up. From the early stages when they take their first steps, when they first, their first day at school, their first day at high school, when they get their license, when they don't come home till four in the morning like I did to my mum as a teenager, when they get married, all those different things, when they go through hard stuff. As a mum, I know that you'd be watching it and the range of emotions is all over the place, yes? More than the dads, probably. I know the dads still have the emotions, we just hide them a little bit more. But the emotions are there. This whole range of stuff that Mary experienced watching her boy grow up. Do you know, when Jesus did his first miracle, Guess who was there? Mum. Because mum's there for your first time of doing stuff, isn't she? Well, not all the first things, but... She was there for this big occasion. Stop that thought right now. <laughs> it wasn't in my notes, and I shouldn't have said it, and I'm sorry. 
On the day that he did his first miracle, when he turned the water into wine, it says this in John 2, 5. His mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. I don't know what Mary knew about her son Jesus, but she knew that he had authority in his words. He knew, she knew that when Jesus said to do something, you did it because it worked. Because it wasn't just a baby boy saying it, but it was actually the son of God. So she knew there was power and authority in his words. And Mary knew that about her son. So she was able to tell the servants that day, whatever he says, do it. You can trust his words. You can do his words. And if you do them, great things will happen. She knew the authority and the power that her son, Jesus, had. She knew that her son wasn't just human. She knew that her son was the son of God. There was great pride in moments like that, I reckon. Great honor in moments like that. There are other times, though, like I said, where it would have been a bit more difficult, where stuff would happen that didn't make sense. Matthew 12, 46 says this. Jesus was speaking to the crowd. His mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. Jesus asked, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister. Can you imagine that as a mum hearing those words? Who is my mother? I'm your mother. I bore you. Who's ever heard that from their mum? I did. I went through some pain for you, son. There'd be, a, there'd be, if you look at Mary as the mother there in that moment, there'd have to be some confusion, maybe a little bit of hurt. Jesus, I, I raised you. I'm your mum. And now you're saying, who is my mother? Have you forgotten who I am? Now, I know Jesus is making a point and teaching here about the family of God and the kingdom of God. But don't forget the humanity of this side of things. There's still a mum trying to see her boy, and she can't at this moment in time. That's got to be, at the very least, a little bit confusing, maybe even a little bit hurtful. But Mary took all of that in, the good, the bad, the first miracles, him living out the prophecies that were spoken of him. She took it all in and she witnessed it all. I wonder what she knew about Jesus. Then there's probably the hardest thing that any parent would ever have to do, and I've seen parents that have had to do this, and that's witness the death of their child. But it says in Matthew 27, 56, that Mary, among them, were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, of the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of James and John, the son of Zebedee. Mary was there witnessing her son hanging on a cross. You know, I've stood at funerals and, and watched mums and dads with their son in a coffin. I've been at the hospital when a dad's been there and saying goodbye to his boy. And the, ra- the emotion in that room is just, it's heartbreaking. It, it, there's no other word to describe it. It breaks your heart to witness them go through that and for them to go through it. But for Mary to see that, her son, her baby boy, you know what it's like. No matter how old you are, you're still your mum's baby boy. I'm the oldest. I know what it's like. I'm the first boy and then all the rest, they don't really matter. I'm the first son. Yeah, all the first children, that's right. We learnt responsibility early on, didn't we? That's it. Anyway, the emotion that Mary goes through. What did she know? What did Mary know that enabled her to go through all of this? From his conception to his death and his resurrection. You know, scholars are are mixed about their views as to whether Mary got to see Jesus when he rose from the dead or not. 
We, we don't know for sure whether it was. Some say he did and others say no, he actually, there's no recorded evidence that he did. It, it's a mixed view. But what did she know? This is what she knew this morning. She knew what God's angel had told her before Jesus was born. She knew what was prophesied over her son when he was eight days old. She knew those things. So when the events of life, when his death happened, when things happened that she didn't understand or that were confusing, she had a word from God that had been revealed to her from an angel and a prophecy spoken over her son. She had a word of God. She had something to hold on to. What did Mary know? She knew what God had told her. She had something from God. Proverbs 30 verse 5 says this, Every word of God proves true. And Mary had a word of God for her son that she knew. She'd heard it for herself and she knew it and she held on to it. You can hold on to the words of God because sometimes that's all you've got to hold on to. Sometimes things happen in life that they don't make sense and all you've got is the word of God that God has given to you and you've got to hold on to it. The words that he has spoken to you for your situation. Question for you this morning is, what has God said to you? If I were to ask you, what word of God have you got in your life that you can hold on to? What's something that has been revealed to your spirit or you've read in the word of God that's been spoken to you and you've held on to it and it's yours and it can't be taken away from you? See, Mary had that. She was, had that before Jesus was born. God spoke to her and she held on to it and she heard those prophecies and words spoken over her son and she held on to it. Job 33, 14 says this, God does speak. That's reassuring. Sometimes one way and sometimes another, even though people may not understand it. As a follower of Jesus Christ, God wants to speak to you. God wants to reveal stuff to you. God wants to be able to give you a word that you can hold on to through all the seasons and all the stages of life. He wants to give you that word that you can hold on to. You know, I could do a whole series on the way God speaks, but just quickly, he can speak to you through prayer. Do you know that prayer is not meant to be just one person talking? It's meant to be two ways. You might hear an audible voice of God, or it could, still, it could be the still, small voice within your heart. But God wants to speak to you through your prayer. It's not just about us talking to him. Through the reading of the Bible, a verse can speak directly to your heart or directly to your situation. It can be a generic thing or it could be a specific thing, but God speaks to you through his word. Through nature and creation, God speaks and reveals his character. Through dreams and visions. I spoke to a young guy this week who told me about a, a vision that he had. And he described this vision. At the end of the vision, he, he felt God gave him a verse. And then he read the verse. And the verse nearly identically lined up with the vision that he'd just seen. And he didn't know what that verse meant. And I was like, I think that's God speaking to you. God's trying to reveal something to you. He wants to speak to his children. Through other people, God can speak. God might even be speaking to you right now. God can speak to you through a sermon. He can speak to you through a conversation with someone. Or it could be a prophetic word. Someone comes and gives you a word that's from God, a prophecy over your life, a declaration of what's to come. Aaron, where's, where's Karen gone? Because I actually had a word for her in worship. She's up in the parents' room. No, I'll give her the word. At the, actually, can you hear me, Karen, in the parents' room? Yep. All right, I'm going to give you the word from here. And if you don't get it, Aaron, you make sure that she comes and sees me afterwards. You write it down and record it. The word I got for you, Karen, if you can hear me, is from Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. And it says this. There you are. From the parents' room. See, God can speak to you even in the parents' room. 
Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. And the word that I got was that this, all right, there are causes that are dear to your heart and they are dear to the heart of God. I believe God will use you to speak up for those people, those causes. And I write this down. Don't underestimate the speak up part because God wants to use your voice. So I don't know if you've ever done any public speaking or anything like that, but I just felt to encourage you around that this morning that the things that are dear to your heart, God wants you to use your voice and your mouth to speak up for those things. So I just wanted to encourage you with that this morning. That's one way God can speak. And I'm not, you know, you, every word you get, you've got to test. You've got to take it to God in prayer. Don't just believe anything everyone ever tells you. But test it. But God speaks through other people through prophecy. He speaks through conversation. God speaks. For Mary, she had an angel visit her and speak to her directly. And she also had Simeon prophesy over Jesus. But the thing is this, she had a word and she held on to it. What has God spoken to you? Maybe if you haven't got a word this morning that you can hold on to, I believe that as you leave here this morning, God will whisper something to your heart, to your spirit, and it'll be a word that you can hold on to in any season. But not only did Mary have a word, she had something else. She had a word and she had something else. If you go back to when the shepherds told her about Jesus, it says that Mary kept all these things in her heart and she thought about them often. And then when Jesus was found in the temple, it says the same thing. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. So Mary had stuff in her heart. She had memories in her heart. What did Mary know? She knew what was in her heart. She knew the memories within. She had memories in her heart. She had, when stuff happened that she didn't understand, when stuff happened in life that didn't make sense, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, she had a word from God and she had the memories in her heart to give her peace and to help her to trust him. You know, I call these memories, I call these the trophy cabinet of your heart. And all of us need a trophy cabinet in our heart. And I'm sorry, Brian, I'm going to use a sporting illustration right now. But all of us need a trophy cabinet in our heart. Can we have the next slide? Last year, I went to the greatest soccer club in the world, Liverpool FC. And if you disagree, there's the door over there right now. But you go to any great sporting club and they will have a trophy cabinet. They will have memories of great victories and great triumphs, great players that played for the club, trophies. And, you know, the Liverpool one is not just a cabinet. It's a big room because there's so been so many victories. Not lately, but <laughs> tide is turning. Filled with past triumphs and victories to inspire and encourage the current team onto great victories. That's why they have trophy cabinets. And we all need a trophy cabinet in our heart. Stuff that God has done. Stuff that we can remember the goodness of God. And it's stored in our heart that we can remind ourselves and we can encourage ourselves that if he did it before, he can do it again. And we need them in our heart. You know, David, when he faced Goliath, he had this. He's trying to convince King Saul to go let him fight the giants. And he says to him, 1 Samuel 17, If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do this to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. What was he doing? 
He was recalling good things where God has done a victory for him in the past and using that to encourage him for the current challenge he had against him. He had a trophy cabinet in his heart reminding himself of the good things God had done. Here's the thing though. You don't put wooden spoons in your trophy cabinet. You don't have a cabinet or a room full of failures, full of disappointments, full of hurts. Oh, this is the year we came last. Let's remember it and celebrate it. But so many of us do that. And I believe this morning God's saying that we need to rearrange the memories in our heart. We need to rearrange the trophy cabinet in our heart. Get rid of the wooden spoons and replace it with the trophy. You know, I'm not saying live in denial. I'm not saying pretend that it never happened. But what I am saying is learn from it. Learn from it. Some stuff you did wrong and other stuff other people did wrong. But we learn from it and then we move on. We don't need to keep walking past the trophy cabinet reminding us of wooden spoons. We need to put the stuff in there, the good things that God has done. Remember the good things have God has done. It says that Mary thought about these things often. What do you think about often? What do you think about over and over and over again? If it's the disappointments, if it's the trials, if it's the hurts, it's going to be very hard to move on if you're constantly thinking about them. So I believe we need to do what Mary did and remember the good things. She remembered what God had said to her and she remembered when, when Jesus amazed the teachers. She was in awe. She said, wow, how did he do this? He must be the son of God. She remembered that stuff and she held it to her heart. When shepherds showed up on the day of his birth, and celebrated her son. She remembered that. She took it into her heart. She remembered and it says she thought about it often. Philippians 4.8 says this. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. They're the things we need to put in the trophy cabinet of our heart. Those things there. What are you allowing in and what are you keeping in your heart? Because what you allow and what you keep in your heart is so important for your life. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Your life can get off course simply by the things you allow and keep in your heart. The memories that you live in your heart can take you off course if you let the wrong stuff in. And I believe we need to do like what Mary did. She kept stuff in her heart. Memories of times when she was in awe and wonder of her son, Jesus, and memories of what God had said to her. That's what Mary knew. We asked the question, what did Mary know? She knew what God had said. She remembered the good things. She remembered the stuff in her heart, and it kept her going. It kept her in place. I don't know about you. You may not have discovered this yet, but I'm 37. I, and I have discovered this. Life doesn't always play out the way we think it will. Really, I know, shock circumstances don't always make sense do they that's why we need a word from God and memories in our heart to hold on to it's in these moments where we have to trust in God it's in these moments where we have to hold on to what he has said it's in these moments where we have to think over those things that God has done in our heart as a follower of Jesus our life is not referred to as a walk of facts it's called a life of faith isn't it? Because we all go through stuff. We all go through seasons. You might be going through a season right now where nothing makes sense. You're looking at your life and your situation going, this does not line up, God. This is, I don't understand. I read this amazing um, thing a few years ago about Bill Johnson. And it just, um, it really challenged 
my faith and my trust in God. I want to, it's a little bit long, but I want to read it to you because I thought it was really good. It said this, and by the way, we're coming to a close. We're going to land this plane. An intellectual gospel is always in danger of creating a God that looks a lot like us, one that is our size. The quest for answers sometimes leads to a rejection of mystery. As a result, mystery is often treated as something intolerable instead of a real treasure. Living with mystery is the privilege of our walk with Christ. Its importance cannot be overrated. If I understand all that is going on in my Christian life, I have an inferior Christian life. The walk of faith is to live according to the revelation we have received in the midst of the mysteries we cannot explain. That's why Christianity is called the faith. To have questions is healthy. To hold God hostage to those questions is not. Not understanding is okay. Restricting our spiritual life to what we understand is not okay. It is immaturity at its best. Such a controlling spirit is destructive to the development of a Christ-like nature. God responds to faith but will not surrender to our demands for control. Maturity requires a heartfelt embrace of what we do not understand as an essential expression of our faith. Challenging, isn't it? Bill Johnson tells this story. My oldest son, Eric, is 85 to 90% deaf in both ears. He has an amazing gift for life. He functions beautifully in the hearing world and has never had to learn sign language. His adjustments to life are miraculous. While his self-esteem is unaffected by this handicap, it is strong and Christ-centered. I was fasting and praying for his healing some years ago, and God spoke to me very clearly that he was going to heal him. It has happened in the atonement and will be seen in my lifetime. We don't treat it as a someday off in the future God will heal him kind of thing. We view it as a right now word. Yet he still can't hear without the assistance of a hearing aid. It's interesting that the healing of deafness is one of the most common miracles I see in my meetings and in our church. Even more interesting to note is that Eric has laid hands on many people who were deaf and God opened their ears. How could that happen without him being healed first? I don't know. But I do know that mental offence, stumbling over this apparent contradiction in our minds, will shut down this anointing. That is something we are not willing to do. Eric and I will continue to live in the understanding we have and embrace the mystery we are required to live with, knowing that God is perfectly faithful and good beyond measure. All the time, he is worthy of our trust. Isn't that amazing? We do not understand everything. There are things that we will probably never understand this side of eternity. But that's why it's called a life of faith. When we don't understand why, when we don't know what's going on, we need to remind ourselves that God is good, that his love is everlasting, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. When we don't understand what's going on, that's where we have to understand his heart and his character. What did Mary know? I believe she knew the heart of God. Isaiah 55, 8 to 9 says this, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, personally for, for me, this last year has been all about trusting God when things don't make sense. When, when I don't understand why, I've had to go, God, you are good. I've had to go, 
repeatedly in my mind over and over again, God, what have you said? Pull out those old scriptures, those, those old things that were spoken over and go, God, your word is true. Your character is unchanging. And remind myself and think of those things often. Remind myself where God did incredible things in my life. Now, last week, Lozzie spoke about salvation and the joy of our salvation. If you can't think of anything good that God has done, just remember the day you discovered that Jesus loved you and that you were accepted by him and you didn't have to do anything to earn that salvation, but he loved you and was for you. Think of that often. Remind yourself of that. It's a great place to start. You know, we started this morning by saying, what did Mary know? But I want to finish today by asking, what do you know? What do you know? What words from God do you know? What memories of good things he has done are in your heart? I want to encourage you this morning to hold on to them, to think of them often, to remind yourself often of the words of God and the things he has done in your heart. Especially this morning, if you're going through a hard time, if today is a hard day, if this season is a hard season and things aren't making sense and you've got a lot of why God, right now is the time to lean on the words that God has said to you. Right now is the time to remember the things that you've stored in your heart where God has done great things in you. That's the day that you really lean in to his character and his goodness. If you don't know the goodness and character of God, I want to give you an opportunity to know him in a minute. Can I have the, the team come? What did Mary know? She knew what God had said and she knew what had gone on in her heart and she held on to them in every season. And that's what you and I need to do. But if you don't know what God has said, you don't have those moments in your heart, today is a great day to invite Jesus into your heart, to accept that he is the Son of God. You know, we sung earlier this morning, we sung about his birth, we sung about his death, we sung about his resurrection, we sung about him coming back to life, we sung about his love for us. At Christmas, we celebrate the gift that is Jesus Christ, and he came so that we can have eternal life, so that we can spend eternity with heaven. And we receive eternal life by believing in Jesus. And it says that if we, in Romans 10, 10, it says, if you believe in your heart, you are made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So there comes a point in our life where we want to receive this gift that Jesus has given us. We want to receive the gift of eternal life. It comes by believing in our heart that what, we, what this book says about Jesus is true. That he was the Son of God. That he is the King of Kings. That he did be born of a virgin. That he lived his life and did many great miraculous things. But then he gave his life and died on a cross. And three days later he rose from the grave and defeated the power of death and the power of sin. When you read about Jesus in the Bible, and you say, yeah, God, I believe that. I accept what you say I accept that you are the son of God and then you declare it with your mouth there comes a moment in everyone's life where you can openly stand and say yes I believe in Jesus Christ I believe it in my heart but now I just want my heart and my mouth to line up and I declare that he is the son of God he is Lord and I want to give you a moment to do that I'm going to ask everyone here just to close their eyes and just bow your head if you can I don't want people looking around I want this just to be a private moment and I would love this morning to lead you in a prayer. A prayer that confesses that you believe in Jesus Christ. A prayer that says, yes, I believe 
He is who He said He is. I want the gift of eternal life. I want a relationship with Him. And if that's you this morning, you'd like me to say that prayer with you, then I just want you to raise your hand where you are right now. Just let me know that you want to pray that prayer with me today. Just saying, yep, I see your hand in the middle. That's awesome. Is there anyone else that wants to raise their hand this morning? We're all going to pray this prayer together in a minute. But I want to know if I can include you, that you would invite Jesus into your heart, that you would receive the gift of eternal life. Cool. All right, we're all going to pray this prayer with this one person today. So can you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, thank you for all that you have done. Thank you for your life, your death, and your resurrection. Today I receive what you did for me. I declare that you are the Son of God. I believe in you. I give my life to you. I turn away from my previous life and I choose to live for you. Let your love and your grace and your acceptance come into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. For the person that raised their hand, just one of our team will come and just have a chat after the service and pray with you. For everyone else, I want us to walk out of here this morning with that question. What do you know? What do you know, Pip? Lots. We should be able to answer that question. What do you know? Well, this is what God said to me. Well, this is the memory in my heart, and that's what I know. And that's what I stand upon, and that's how I live my life. Let's be like Mary, who knew what God had said and held things in her heart that were dear to her and use them to encourage us and spur us on to keep going for Him. No matter what the situation looks right now, we know what we know because of what God has said and because of what God has done. Amen. I'm going to hand back to the host. Thanks, Pip. Thanks, church. That was a really awesome message, Lottie. Thank you. I love that I can say I actually do know lots. <laughs>